Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski podcast. Upping your football knowledge. Class is now in session. Man, we have an exciting show for you today. A lot going on. A lot of good stuff, man. The combine finishing up. Uh, looking forward to everyone's pro day. Then the draft. A lot of exciting things. Later on in the show, I'll have my main man, Andrew Filipponi from the Cook and Pony Show in Pittsburgh, 93.7 The Fan. Uh, so we're going to get him on to talk some ball. And then also get into these quarterbacks. Continue to break down these quarterbacks as I continue to evaluate them. I watch them at the Combine, put my thoughts together, um, and also some, some drafts in the past. But, uh, man, that Combine, watching some of these athletes is unbelievable and uh ralph's with me from brothers of the bird ralph you were a receiver could you could you even imagine going through these drills anymore no i'm 35 and i just look at the way they have to bend their their knees my knees would would kill me and you know what i worry about the older i get is my achilles i'm so concerned about my achilles but um i was hooping with someone the other day that blew out his Achilles. I mean, we're playing basketball. And look, I, I hey, I used to be a hooper. I averaged 25 points a game in high school. I had a couple offers, Richmond. Uh, John Beeline was the head coach at the time. He's the head coach of Michigan now. So I always joke. I'm like, all right, so I probably could have played at Michigan, right? Because he's coaching in Michigan now. But we're hooping the other day. And, you know, I'm just taking it easy. I'm like, look, man, I'm not banging on the boards. I'm just going to be outside shooting, dribbling. And this kid popped his Achilles just running back to get back on defense. You hear about I hear about it all the time. I'm very conscious of that. So to your point, watching these guys in the combine, there's no way I could do it. But you're only young once, and I'm not young anymore, at least in football terms. So, uh, hey, it's it's fun watching them, though. It's fun to see football back out there, see, you know, Rich Eisen, Mike Mayock on the what TV a, it, breaking things down. It's always good. And that's what I love is, is watching Rich Eisen run the 40 in, in – some of these big guys, I love watching things that are different to what they should be doing. Like Rich Eisen shouldn't be running 40s. And just like in football, whether college or the NFL, we would do something where the offensive line, say we were trying to get out of sprints or something, the coach would have like five offensive linemen back trying to catch punts. And these big alignment, about 6'6", 350 pounds, are trying to fair catch a punt 50 yards high in the air and just watching them with their ball skills was just hilarious to me. And I just that was one of the one of the funniest things I've ever watched. Yeah, I know we did those drills, and I most of my time was at the FCS level as a coach and a player. So at least these guys in the NFL, you know, probably have a little bit more hand-eye coordination as you get down lower in levels. So I'm sure some of them could make some plays. Well, some of them could. I mean, like Marquise Pounce, he's he's an athletic dude, man. I'm I'm not. Him and Ben would always compete before practice during training camp at St. Vincent's. He's trying to throw a ball off the crossbar. So him and Ben go from like the 20 to 25, 30, 35, and keep backing up. And they're competing against each other to see who can hit the crossbar. Uh, But watching these guys, and another thing they do at training camp with the Steelers is right before stretch, they're doing a special teams drill. Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, the receivers, they, they're fair catching punts, you know, get practicing catching punts, you know. Well, then you, you see how many punts in a row you can catch, but you have to keep the previous punt football in your hand, in your arm. So, you know, A, B will be back there, boom, he catches a punt, he keeps that one in his right arm. 
Boom, he catches his second punt, keeps that in his left arm. Now the third punt comes, boom, he catches it in the middle. So now the fourth one's coming. Now he's got to juggle three balls he's holding on to, try to catch that fourth punt. I mean, I've seen guys catch four or five balls. It was pretty spectacular. I mean, these guys hand-eye coordination. That's crazy. I think that's so hard to do. And I did it when I played in college, uh, catching punts. I, you know, But now these guys go, and it's a you have to secure this catch in Wendy Hines Field. Uh, so that you can win to go to the AFC Championship game or something like that. In New so, England. Like, yeah, like you feel there's so much pressure on, but you forget that they're doing drills like that so that they, you know, when that situation comes, it's easy for them. Well, and that's and that's just practicing your craft. Yeah. You know, what what are you going to have to do in the games? And Antonio Brown, man, he's one of the best at it, of working hard. I mean, the guy catches about 100 jugs after every practice at training camp. He's just a special talent, and you love seeing that. And, um but, 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 you know, and then he gets the fans going. I mean, the fans, you know, are crazy enough. They're the best. The Steeler fans are awesome. So you're at St. Vincent's College. Antonio Brown's catching like four punts in a row. And then he's getting the fans all hype and they're yelling, screaming. You know, I kind of wanted to go up in the stands, have a hot dog with him and, and watch this show <laughs> that they're watching. He's an entertainer and that's, that's awesome, though. Because you have to have fun with it. It's such a grind and he grinds. I know I've I've been able to watch him up there, and I, I just you you take that in. That's why you like seeing him have fun with his celebrations and all that. Well, and that's what's cool too is I think Mike Tomlin runs a good show where um, he lets his guys have fun. I mean that's that's what it's about, man. Football is America's game, man, and, and you know kids love playing football in the backyard. I remember growing up playing flag football and being out there and tackle football, nanny's house, and you know messing around. So. It's, you know, that's what we love. And it's so that's why I like to see these young kids, Sam Darnold and those guys, getting prepared now, going through that combine, watching them, um, and going through the, the mental challenge of the combine. It's physically exhausting, mentally exhausting. I've been there, man. It's a full week of just grinding it. So watching them go through throwing, you know, um, and, I, and we'll touch on those quarterbacks, but I think we, get, we have a good group of quarterbacks. But I think a lot also plays into the situations they go to. I mean, the general managers, the head coaches, their jobs are on the line. You're trying to evaluate these young quarterbacks coming out. Where's the game going to? Where's the game been? You know, it's it's not easy. No, and I, you know, that like you said, their livelihoods on the line. I'm sitting here, I'm watching these guys trying to get my opinion on it, and. I don't have a decision to make. I just have an opinion to form uh, that for myself, and it's tough. It's an imperfect system, as history has told has said. And uh, you know, it's fun to to do that. And I think the fans love that. They get to be the GM for you know until the draft. They all hey, this is what I do. This is what I do. Uh, and it's a fun process to watch. And I know you have all the experiences of just that. You know that mental. You got to stay on top of your game the whole time because uh, it's you know it's make or break. The the smallest little things can make a difference in where you go and when you go and and the opportunities you have for the rest of your life. And, and that is, I mean, it's you know it's about the right situation, right timing. You know, coming out in the draft in two thousand six, I wanted to get drafted as high as I could. I went in the sixth round, so I was a little disappointed, but. I went to a good situation. You know, I went to play for John Gruden. I learned a shit ton of good football, and I gained all that knowledge that carried me throughout my career that helped me. 
Um, so a lot of these guys, and I, I started 11 games. So, um, you know, it, it's it's cool to see these guys coming out now. They have to understand that um, it's not about when you go, but where you go. So we look at the draft. You know, if, if Sam Darnold's that number one pick, you know, what are the Browns looking for right now? What I like about Sam Darnold is he can make plays that aren't scripted. You know, as an offense coordinator, and I was with Todd Haley in Pittsburgh. He's going to be the offense coordinator in Cleveland. He's not going to call a perfect game. So he needs a quarterback that is going to make those extra plays. And Sam Darnold brings that. Baker Mayfield brings that. That's why I like those two guys. They can make that extra play that's not scripted, that that Ben Roethlisberger makes, that you know Andrew Luck makes. I like Russell Wilson makes. I like seeing those guys be able to make plays, and that's what I like. I mean, you have a Josh Rosen that's awesome to watch. Smooth, pretty, good hitch up in the pocket, good delivery, strong arm. He's the probably most ready to be in an NFL system right now, but I don't like what I'm hearing as far as maybe his attitude or the way he approaches the game. It's not life or death for him. It's not football's everything. You know, I want a gym rat out there, and that's what I kind of see in, in a Darnold and a Mayfield. Yeah, and you got to, you know, I think you've seen over time, you have to respect the game. You know, football is is bigger than any one person, so if you think you're above it, which I, is is my concern with Josh Rosen and the things you hear, some of these guys think, you know, he had the, he has the silver spoon. He think he's entitled a little bit. Um, if you get that for a second, it's like in golf, you know, if I'm golfing and I'm like, Oh, that's a good shot. I got this game figured out. It yeah. smacks you right back in the face. Football's the same way. Well, I was going to say, yeah, don't, don't even put me on the course and expect me to hit a going. You brought up a good point. You, you can't feel entitled. I mean, shoot because the players on your team they're going to bring you back to reality I was in the huddle with Joey Galloway and Mike Allstott my rookie year in Tampa and I'm staying up till wee hours of the night trying to memorize the play Indy right 10 x short fake 96 power king naked left x slot and then the next day I get in the huddle and it was a different play call I'm so focused on that play call that I mess up the play call Gruden just called and it's a, it's a two-way play. He calls a run to the right and a run to the left. And I have to audible to the right play. So I called it backwards. So walking to the line of scrimmage, I look back and I said, no, no, 93 week, 93 week. And Mike Allstock grabs my face mask. He's like, which one is it? Get it effing right. I'm like, oh, shit. You know, like, so that knocked me back as a rookie. I'm like, I, I need to get my shit straight and know these plays inside and out because these veterans are counting on me. So a Josh Rosen... It's only going to last so long because when he steps in the huddle, whatever team he's with, they're going to expect him to bring it day in and day out. And they're not going to let him, let him sit back and, and get fed that silver spoon. And then you look at, you know, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's an exciting guy. Michael Vick even talked about him being better than what Vick was in college. I don't think Lamar Jackson has the arm talent Vick does. But, man, watching that guy make plays is unbelievable. And you just get that guy, the ball in his hands, he's going to make plays. So some GM and coach are going to take a shot on Lamar Jackson knowing if we could build the right system around Lamar Jackson, we can be successful. Then you have Josh Rosen, or uh, Josh Allen, excuse me, that looks the part. I mean, my man looks the part. He throws a beautiful ball, strong arm. He's athletic. They're comparing him to Carson Wentz. But... 
I personally feel like the stage might be too big for him. You know, and I'm going to get down to my final analysis closer to the draft. But from what I'm seeing right now and watching Josh Allen against Iowa, he missed some easy throws he needs to make. He let some of the moments get too big for him. I think he has all the, the talent to bring to an NFL team and franchise. But we talk again. It's about what coach and general manager get him. You know, can he sit and develop and learn and build his confidence? And then you have a Mason Rudolph that looks the part as well. 6'4", 6'5", can throw the football, good-talking young man. You know, we'll have him on the show in a few weeks after his pro day. Um, So a lot of good young players that I think can develop into a franchise quarterback. But it's also exciting to see where it's going to go because we saw the way Barkley performed at the Combine. Stud. So now what do the Browns do? Yeah, I, I, it's hard. That, there's, have you ever seen a situation like that, first and fourth pick? Well, see, and I, I think this is the time. This is when the Browns can really make an impact for their future. They have a chance. They have two top five picks, and now they can change their culture immediately. If I were the Browns, if I was running that franchise, I'd go out, I'd sell Kirk Cousins' ass to Cleveland. Get him in that locker room. Now you have two top five picks, and you could build the team even more. You have the cap space. Now you get Barkley at number one. You're going to hand it off to him 25, 30 times a game. He's a beast. You can ride with him. Stronger than Joe Thomas, I might add. Jumps higher than Odell Beckham. And then with that fourth pick, I mean, now you have, is it a receiver? You know, if you sign Kirk Cousins in free agency, now you could get another receiver. Or if you don't sign Kirk Cousins, now number four, maybe you pick a different quarterback than Sam Darnold at number one. But that's interesting to think about. A lot of pieces are going to unfold as we get closer to the draft. Um, But, you know, each and every year, you see it. You see it. I mean, I came out in 06. I was with Matt Leiner, USC guy. Sam Darnold, USC guy. Vince Young, unbelievable talent, skill set. Lamar Jackson, unbelievable talent, skill set, athlete, being out able to make plays. And Jay Cutler, the arm. Josh Allen, the arm. You know, Jay Cutler, I was at the combine. I'm watching him drop back, and I'm like, man, this dude's footwork sucks. And I, then I'm watching Kellen Clemens, and he's smooth, accurate. He's got good feet. And Kellen Clemens, you know, he's still playing for the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, that's, that's crazy for... To watch and Cutler never really got the footwork figured out either, you know. And <laughs> but he it, slings it. The dude could just sling it. And I think sometimes he's got the GMs. It's just like, all right, if this doesn't work out, how does can I sell it? That like this is why we took him. Everybody liked him. It's it's takes it's tough to go on your own path. Uh, you know to make sure. You know that's probably why Cutler went ahead of Clemens. And but it's more than like how many of these guys. How do you evaluate? Well, how can you go well, to your point? It's the sex appeal. You know, they want Jay Cutler. You could sell because, damn, that looks pretty coming out of his arm. You know, he slings that rock. You're not going to look at me and say, oh, man, that looks pretty. I mean, I'm going to grind you out some wins and try to be a little dirt ball grinder to, to win games. But I don't have I didn't have that pretty just sling it through a wall type arm or, or launch it 70 yards downfield. So. Sometimes if you're a general manager, you know if you draft a Josh Allen, you might be safe because everyone sees those unbelievable tools he's bringing to the combine and that he brought to the combine. How do you tell 
if a guy can handle Mike Allstott grabbing a face mask and saying, get it effing right, you know what right. I mean? Because that's probably defines anything. You know, that's what a quarterback, you have to handle that adversity, that situation, whether it's Mike Allstott, whether it's the media, whether it's your head coach. You got so many guys grabbing your face mask. Well, and, and you're right. And that's 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 what I'm that's what I like. As I evaluate these quarterbacks, we can watch as much film as we want. But I want to know the person. What kind of kid are they? You know, I hear Sam Darnold, he played linebacker in high school. He's a gym rat, loves the game. That's what I love. Baker Mayfield. Yeah, he might go off the wall grabbing his junk sometimes, you know, at sidelines, as you saw my tweet. But <laughs> I mean the dude, but the dude plays. He's a playmaker, and he's he'll do whatever it takes to win. Now Josh Rosen, though, is he that guy? You know that he's going to handle media criticism. If he's going to be in New York and handle New York media, you don't know, man. I mean, and, and there's that's why this process isn't easy. I mean, we could go back to the '04 draft with uh, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, and then uh, J.P. Lossman. And who's J.P. Lossman? You're thinking, you know, and, but you look at Eli, Phillip, and Ben, what they've done. Um, and that's rare, like for three guys, the first three picks, and they're all, what, going into their 15th year, I think it is, that they're all going into. and, and you They've know, been franchise guys. Franchise guys. There's four Super Bowl wins there. Um, you know, that's, that's rare because you look at all the other, you know, any other draft, it's usually like one guy might make it from each – you know, each draft and the others kind of fade away, um, you know, and, and the, then you talked about going to the right situation and you look at like Eli was supposed to be in San Diego, right? but you know, Papa Manning says, Hey, we're not going to San Diego. And they flip flop and they, you know, you never know what happens as rivers, a two-time champion. If he ends up in New York and vice versa. And, that, so. and that's a great point. You know, and Papa Bull <laughs> said, no, Eli, you're not, you're not going through what I, I went through. Hey, you'll win Super Bowls in New York. Not there. <laughs> yeah, so, you're right. so, I mean, but you don't know. And then does Eli go to San Diego and they win Super Bowls? But the thing was, Eli had that good defense behind him in New York, you know, for how many years? Phillip, I'm a big fan of Rivers. I love love his like the way he plays, his his personality, his his grit, his energy. Uh, but he puts up offensive statistics every year that are insane, you know. But I I believe I mean you look at that and then you see Ben Roethlisberger. Ben's like those guys, and I don't want to compare Sam Darnold to Ben Roethlisberger or Baker Mayfield to Ben because Ben's done it. He's a Super Bowl winning champion. He's a future Hall of Famer. But I like what Ben brings. Stuff doesn't have to be perfect. You know, when I was on the silo with Ben, how many times I see a play come in, I hear the play, I'm going through it in my head what my read would be and what I would do. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, they bring a blitz, I'm throwing hot. Ben ducks the blitz, shakes him off, throws a 60-yard touchdown to Antonio Brown. And I'm like, this dude's a beast. You know, because Ben knew on third and 10, I can't just throw my hot to give me the first down. I need to make a play. And that's what Ben brought to that's what Ben brings to the table. And that's what was just so amazing watching my four years in Pittsburgh is the things that you know Roethlisberger did that was not scripted. Uh, they all I think it's Dilfer says all the time, like it's the plays outside the X's and O's that make the difference in, you know, a starter and a backup. And 
it's right what you're saying. That's your point. That's like, why. That's why I was the backup. <laughs> but you're, no, you're a good X's and O's guy. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I look at these young kids coming out this year is who has that extra added oomph that they can bring to the team. I mean, the Browns need it. You know, whether that's Sam Darnold, if it's Barkley, they end up going with, or if if they make you know if they make Josh Allen the guy that can sling it in that cold weather, the wind by by the lake right there. Um, you don't know, or Baker Mayfield. I mean, that's what's so tough um, to try to figure out, man. It, this is a heck heck of a challenge to try to continue to evaluate these guys year in and year out and hope that you're drafting the next Ben Roethlisberger or Eli Manning or Phillip Rivers. You know, I mean, you see all the guys that have, like, Matt Stafford came out in 09 with Mark Sanchez and Josh Freeman. You wouldn't put Josh Freeman and Matt Stafford in the same sentence anymore, you know. So, I mean, it's stuff like that you go through. And uh, Jamarcus Russell, you played with him, yeah. You know, I was in that locker room. And Jamarcus, he gets drafted to Oakland. Lane Kiffin, first year head coach, is Lane Kiffin not giving Jamarcus what he what he needs to develop in a young quarterback, or is Jamarcus truly not a franchise guy? I mean, that's why when we talk about bus. That word is so sensitive because, look, to make it to the NFL, it's an unbelievable tool. And Jamarcus Russell to be a number one overall draft pick. Um, but to be consistently good week in and week out and year in and year out, that's what makes Tom Brady great, Ben Roethlisberger, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees. And you talk about the coach-player pairing, though. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger. Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, the coach, franchise quarterback. That's what you need to build to be successful. When you talk about Tom Brady, it's just crazy that the situation he fell into and how he was, I think he was like the four-string guy. You're talking about with his supermodel hot wife or (laughs) (laughs) the the whole thing, the whole thing. Yeah, the situation. The whole package. The whole package. Like, how does that even happen but the I think it's mentally, it's you know, his, like you yeah. got it. You can say it or speak to it. The mental makeup has to be there if you're going to sustain yourself in this league and overcome. Everybody's going to hit adversity. Well, and and that's the thing. I mean, if you watch the thing, Tom versus time, and the amount of work and time he puts into his body to get right week in and week out, day after day. The guy's a five-time Super Bowl winning champion. We already touched on his supermodel hot wife. That makes more money than him. <laughs> That's probably his motivation, right? It's it's an he e- wants to hey, be the breadwinner one day. It's an ego thing, right? We hey, we're all men. We're, we've been there, you know, babe. I love you, but you're not going to make more money than me. I'm going to go win another Super Bowl. I'll play till I'm sixty, <laughs> right? And that's what she's telling him to retire. But that's what you respect so much out of superstar players. I mean, I'm in the locker room with Antonio Brown, and the guy works his tail off day in and day out. Yeah, I'd get pissed at him. He'd show up late for meetings sometimes. But when that guy's in between the lines, he really gives it to you. And 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 seeing that, um, that's that's truly special. And you know, we'll continue to get after these quarterbacks, evaluate them as it gets co- closer to the combine. I'm going to bring in one of my my buddies, the main man out of Pittsburgh. He's on the Cook and Pony Show, 93.7 The Fan. All your Pittsburgh information you need and you love. For the Steelers, we will touch on it all right now. Andrew Filipponi. 
Well, let's get right into it. My man, Andrew, thanks for joining us. Bruce, I see uh, you still remember the little guys. You're on TV (laughs) now, NFL Network, but you still make time for people like me. Hey, of or at co- least you'll invite me to come on your podcast. Hey, of course, brother. Remember, we, we started this together when it was my first year with the Steelers. We had a radio show. We did. And I think, was that the year you were hurt? No. I, two, it th- yeah, 2013, we did it at like Latitude 40 in Robinson. Right. And, yeah, uh, which was like kind of a Dave and Buster's type place. Yeah, and you got the you yeah. got the big raise the next year by uh, ninety three seven the fan, right? And I, I still not never got hired by and then them. I, and then I and then I left you. Yeah, then I kind of left you behind a little bit. Yeah. And you, then now now you've caught up to me and you passed me. <laughs> so now it's my turn. Now it's my turn to leapfrog you. Yeah, yeah. You're. Hey, I'm just trying to get to your level. You're you're the man with all the. <laughs> All the news in Pittsburgh, and, and that's why I wanted to get your opinion on things. I know, you know, I played there for years. I was in that locker room. Uh, you know, I've been out the last couple years, and you still stay very closely with it. You always do a great job in Pittsburgh. And, you know, do you think the Steelers, though, did they miss their best chance to win a Super Bowl this past year? So no softball questions, huh? No, we're, we're we're getting right into it, my man. Okay, good. Did did they miss their best chance to win a Super Bowl? Oh, that's a great. You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I would. Oh wow, I would say probably yes. Um, and I and that's like kind of uh, either a dark or morbid thought because you know Ben still wants to play another few years, and you've got Brown in his prime, but you know, I don't, I look at it like this, Bruce, if they win, if they win the new England game, they get Tennessee in the second round and then they get the Patriots at home. Right. So, you know, that, that to me would have been a feasible path to the Super Bowl, And I, I think we found out like maybe the reason why I, you know, took a little while to get to your, to answer the question is, you know, I still don't think if they're playing the Eagles and you were there, I don't think they win that game. I don't think their defense would have gotten enough stops against I, Foles and, and company. Yeah, so, you know, I still don't think, you know, people here might want to say if they got the Jesse James call right, right, they win the Super Bowl. I don't connect the dots like that, but. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, and, the thing is, the, the thing is, man, like, when is Brady going to slow down? I mean, if, right. if he still plays at an MVP level the next two or three years, then, you know, you still got to go through New England. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that they'll still be in the mix, but I, I, I do think that either last – I do think last year might have been their best chance to do it. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. If they beat New England at home during the regular season, which they should. I mean, that Jesse James catch – I mean that that's a touchdown. Come on, if we're fans at home watching the game, that's a touchdown. Do you not agree yeah, the with rule that? Sucks. I mean, yeah, the, no, I no, I, I do. I mean, they, I, I the, the problem with that whole thing was by the by the letter of the law, they ended up getting it right with instant replay. But the problem is the rule in the first place. Like a runner as soon as he crosses the plane it's a touchdown but for a wide receiver or a tight end who catches it you need to survive the ground i mean it's so complicated and right 
So for that reason, like they're going to change the rule because a game shouldn't be decided on a play like that. Right. But man, the reason why I get pissed off talking about this sometimes is they still had so much time in that game. Like there was no reason for that game to come down to that play. Okay. So it gets overturned. At worst-case scenario, Bruce, that game's got to go to overtime. Right, no you, question. There, there can't be an interception there. You can't You can't have Hayward Bay catch the ball in bounds and not have a second play ready to go. You know, you can't throw the ball into the middle of the field with four defensive backs there. So, right, yeah, right. I mean, they it didn't – the rule really screwed them over, but – there's no reason why they should have lost that game in regulation. They still had a chance to win. No, you're, you're right. They, they should have had a better plan after while that play was getting reviewed. I mean, you have to be talking on the sideline, you know, and, and see what's next. I mean, because it's hard to win in this league, you know, year after year. I think the Steelers had all the pieces together. I mean, they're healthy for the most part. I mean, if you have that offensive line healthy, I consider you're healthy. You have them and Ben healthy. That that's great going into the playoffs. Yes, I know Antonio Brown was a little beat up, and I don't know if he was a hundred percent for that playoff game. I know his his stats were all right, but I still don't think he was a hundred percent. And you have Le'Veon Bell, so I I do think their window's getting tighter. I mean, I don't see Ben playing too much longer. I mean, what's he have like a year or two left? Yeah, but now he's saying he wants to extend his contract. So, you know, you don't know what to believe. Last year it was, I play it year to year. Now, you know, he's got a new outlook on things. Yeah. I, I look at the way the way I'm, I'm watching Drew Brees and Tom Brady play at 39 and 40. You know, Ben all of a sudden doesn't seem as old at 36. Like, right, you're if he right. Gets the kind of protection, if, he's get, if he gets the kind of protection he's gotten the last two years, I could see him play until he's 40. Um, you know, he's not putting the kind of stress on his body that he was four or five years ago. You know, the one thing I'll say, I'll, I'll disagree with you on this, man. Like, I don't think their defense was good enough to win a Super Bowl last year. And that's one thing that they need to get sorted out right. between now and the start of next season. Because if they go into this year with the status quo on defense, you know, at some point you got to stop somebody. Now, do you think and, that's because Shazier was hurt? I mean, how big of a – I mean, of course we all know that's a – that was a catastrophic loss. I mean, not just right. losing him, but I think the, the type of injury. I mean, it had me – I was sick to my stomach. I hate seeing that. Yeah, so was I. You know, of, of teammates, friends. You know, you just don't want to see that, no matter if you don't even know the guy. But for it to be right. like in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, that, that was sickening to watch. But now on the football field, though, where do the Steelers go? I mean, are you looking at – I mean, you got to draft a linebacker, and do you re-sign Timmons? Does he come back? And, and you're right. I mean, they have to – they've been using draft picks year after year on defense in the first round. I mean, when's it going to truly pay off and get back to that defense that was years ago winning Super Bowls? Well, you know, outside of Shazier – I don't think their first-round picks on defense have really developed the way that they had hoped for. Jarvis Jones is gone. Right. Uh, I think Bud Dupree 
is a guy now that, okay, next year you got to make up your mind. Do you pick up a very expensive option on him? His fifth-year option? No, I wouldn't. Uh, I thought you know, they didn't touch. They didn't get a hand on Blake Bortles in that playoff game. They didn't pressure him one time. And, right. and I thought Dupree's play in the second half of the year really tailed off. So, you know, Watt, I think they've got something there, Bruce. I thought he had a pretty good rookie season. Yeah, I like I that. Burns, I like that kid. I, I, I think Burns is looking more and more like a bust. You know, he's their first-round pick two years right, ago. Right. Tons of penalties. Guy gets caught cheating and looking in the backfield a lot. Not a good tackler, which is uncharacteristic to Steelers cornerbacks. So I think the jury's still out on him big time. I mean, really big time. I don't I don't look at him as a number one corner. I actually think Sutton, the kid they took in the third round last year, could beat him out for a starting spot. So to get back to what you initially asked, I don't think you can just pin it all on losing Shazier. Because yeah. even when Ryan was healthy, they weren't a good they weren't a good tackling team. And and that's not just like naked eye stuff. Like they had more missed tackles than any team in the league last year. So they've got to get that fixed. Um And that's you know, stuff you can, is an important And that's stuff you can control too. I mean tackling, I mean yeah, tackling missed assignments, I mean that's stuff that needs to be taken care of during practice. Well, you know what, Bruce? And that's why I think Timmons, because he's going to get cut, I like the idea of bringing him back from, from this perspective. He can't make plays sideline to sideline like Shazier. He's not going to be the kind of defensive weapon in the passing game where you feel like you can have him on a tight end and he can do a job, you know, or he can – you know, a, slight, a, a slot receiver comes over the middle of the field and, he, and he's going to be okay in coverage. But he's going to get them in the right looks. You know, like when Shazier went out, they lost their guy that called their defense. And to me, especially in the Jacksonville game, they looked like a team that was out of position the whole yeah. time. I mean, yeah. the first drive was play action, at, fake after play action. Fake guys are wide open. So I, I like a guy who might have lost a step or two, but mentally – has the game mastered. And I would say that about Timmons. And, you know, you're going to get a discount on him. I think he wanted to come back here last year, but you it, know, it, Miami offered him $6 million a year. It's tough to turn that down. So yeah. I, I think you do it for 2 or $3 million, And I think that would stabilize them somewhat on defense. Kind, do you agree? Kind of what they're paying you on 93.7 The Fan, huh? huh. S- $6 million a year. Um, <laughs> yeah, well – uh, not after taxes. Sure. <laughs> do you agree with me? No, I me I do agree because I like Timmons. He was always a great teammate, a great worker. The guy was a good football player. He lost a step as he got older, but I think he, he knows the defense. He knows Tomlin, but he knows those guys um, that he can step right in and, and be a security blanket for you as Shazier continues to rehab and get healthy. Um, whether he comes back or not, and until you find that next piece. I mean, what about my man Griffin at the combine? This kid running a four three eight linebacker. I mean, is that? I mean, just think if you. I, I don't know if he's talented enough, but I mean, just his numbers at the combine, the linebacker from uh, Central Florida was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I like about him is I feel like he's the type of guy that's harder for scouts to evaluate. No question, because yeah. Because of the handicap. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that there's an opportunity there to get value on him. I mean, they, they didn't want to invite him to the combine. You know, look at what he did. Jeez. So, I think 
I think he's going to be a guy that's really all over the place on draft boards. Yeah. But, uh, you know, speed pays in this league. And, and uh, you know, go ahead. No, sorry. The thing I love about him, too, and you said, I mean, with that handicap, but with that handicap comes that that mental toughness and that mental – ability to get over things growing up he had to figure out different right. ways to um make plays and, and just and live and, right and, and just live life normally and this guy has is doing it on the football field and I just I like those things because even when I talk quarterbacks I like looking at guys that make impacts or, or have the personality and that kind of makeup more so than all the the physical tools so you're so you're like an intangible guy then more than anything else. Yeah, I me. I am maybe because that's the way I was, you know, born and <laughs> born and bred, and that's that's the way I had to make my yeah, money. But is you know what though you you say that, but like you're gonna have to correct me on this. When you came out of school, when you came out of college, were was there a knock on you that like mechanically you weren't right? Like maybe. What, like maybe some of the things that they said that were weaknesses were things that you couldn't control, like maybe size. But yeah, yeah. I mean, did, 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 did people say mechanically that you weren't? No, no. Mechanically, I was no. I was sound. I think I had good footwork and, you know, good motion. Um, I was accurate. Because I, I, because I don't know where uh, – because I don't know where you're going with this conversation, Bruce, but, like, that to me is one of the that, – that to me is a red flag with Jackson. Like, yeah, is he is is he mechanically, is he technically, a sound quarterback? You know, no, right? Like he's not right now. Well, not he doesn't look. You know, we compare him to Michael Vick, and he has that ability. He does. He's he doesn't have the arm talent right now that Michael Vick had coming out, but he does enough good things. I think people want to judge him on is he making decisions from the neck up and I think watching his film sometimes he does have some pro style progressions that he's going through that you're kind of like man this guy actually plays a pretty good game like he's pretty smart he makes good decisions and then he also has that extra um, ability to take off and make a play I mean I think that's where this game's going I mean you need a guy behind center that's going to make that extra play I mean look look at Ben he's done that for years and, you know, Ben's not a guy that's going to run around the defense, but he's also a guy that extends plays in the pocket and makes things happen when it doesn't and when it's not there. I mean, look at the playoff game. I'm watching a – what was it, 4th and 11 or 4th and 13, and he throws a bomb to Martavius Bryant. I mean, that wasn't the drawn-up play. He held it long no. enough to make that play. And the same thing with a 4th and 5 later in the game. He throws a go ball to A.B. A.B. has yeah. in, inside leverage on the corner – Ben's running up in the pocket and throws that go ball. There's not – I mean, I don't make that throw. Landry Jones doesn't make that throw. Like, So I think that's where this game's going, though, is to have that guy behind center that can give you a little extra something. Well, you know, I feel like with with Jackson, when I, when I hear somebody like Mike Mayock say that he looks skittish and erratic in drills – but he's a guy that, you know, you want in big games or he's going to find a way to make big plays. Man, I hear that, and it makes me think of, like, the same rationalization that people used with Vince Young. 
like, well, he doesn't have good mechanics or, you know, he doesn't really have good form, but he'll find a way to make plays and he'll figure it out. And he kind of did. I mean, Vince Young was a good quarterback in terms of, like, wins and losses. And his first year in the league, he made a lot of late plays in fourth quarters. And But eventually the league figured him out. So right, I, right. I, I don't – I'm not – the reason why I'm not sold on Jackson as – like, I'm not the person that says make him a wide receiver from day one. Like, I'm not, I'm not beating that drum. Right. But let me let me ask you this question, Bruce. If the Steelers picked him 27th in the draft, okay? Like just or 28th. If they picked him 28th overall. W- what do you do with him for the first year? I mean, I Does think Does he just back up Ben? I mean, do you not right. do you not say to him you're a football player? There are other ways for us to get you on the field your first year while you're backing this guy up. Because I'd want to put my best offensive players on the field, and I think he could help you in different ways immediately. I mean, and I think he could. I mean, he's that good of a, an athlete. I mean, he's the best one coming out of this of, of this draft. Um, and I think it'd be a good situation in Pittsburgh to get get to sit behind Ben and learn for a few years. I think they have to continue to get more and more detailed as Ben gets older and Ben looks to retire. These young guys they bring up, they have to coach them fundamentally sound quarterback play. I mean, these guys have to know reads and progressions and footwork, and that's what they need. And then if you have a talented guy, he'll be able to flourish with the right coaching. But, I mean, I I see where you're going because the Steelers have had that in the past of of guys like that. But I think, you know, Lamar Jackson's coming in. He's had a great career college-wise as a quarterback, and, you know, that's where his mind's at, and that's where I think – his abilities are right now. Um, and that could be a conversation down the road. I think three, four years down the road, if he's still kind of not really playing or things aren't going as planned, I mean, he's still going to be only 23, 24 years old. Um, he's going to have to make a decision. Do I want to make, you know, four or five million a year backing up or do I make 13 and 15 million being a star uh, wide receiver? Well, I think just from the very beginning, if I've got Lamar Jackson on my team and I'm the Saints or the Steelers and I pick him, you know, the only way he's going to play at quarterback is if my starter gets hurt. And so I've got this great talent, this great athletic talent. I'm going to find a way to, to utilize him on game day. I mean, Sean Payton used his backup quarterback on special teams this year, didn't he? <laughs> right, right. Didn't he, did, right, like didn't he yeah. have Hill on? Didn't he have Hill on like kickoff returns? Yeah, and I and I think it was so, Hill that was you know he wanted to do that you know and I mean I think you're I think well, you're he's, right. And he's a great like he's a really good athlete. And so like I, I heard a story this weekend that Petrino at Louisville tried to have Jackson return punts, and his mom said. If, if he's going to do this, we're going to, like, yank him out of school. Like, that's it. We're not yeah. – he's not going to play here anymore. And, and I, all I'm saying is, you know, I don't think there's a situation for Jackson to step right in. Like, he's not going to be a, – a team is not going to pick him in the top 10 or top 15. So you don't, you don't think? Go somewhere. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, mean, I look at every, every reputable mock draft I see – 
Um, some of them don't even have him going in the first round, Bruce. Like yeah. it's either late first or early second. Do, do you think if he's so still if, if he were, if he's still there at the end of the first round, do you think the Steelers take a chance on him? No, no, I don't. I, I yeah. Un, un, this is the only Bruce. This is the only way, man. Yeah. He would have to say to teams like the Steelers, "I'm a quarterback, but I'm also a football player." Yeah. And so, you know, you're not pulling me out of the quarterback rooms quarterback room I'm still gonna that's still the position that I think I'm gonna excel and make my living but while I'm behind Ben put me in the slot let me return punts you know put me in the backfield with Ben you know like yeah. for an offensive coordinator he gives you I mean you I mean that, that might give you a that might give you a whole sub package of 20 or 30 plays maybe more where you could get him on the field and you could have him do a ton of stuff. I mean, you, you, I mean, you could you could pitch it to him and have him throw it. You could, I mean, you could do all. He would defenses would have to spend time game planning for him every week. Well, and that and that's why I think he's. And you bring up a good point. I mean, but that's why I think he's so scary playing the quarterback position. Is I mean the the the. the most scared dude all week is going to be that defensive coordinator because you don't know what that guy's going to do in a game. He's the hardest one to game plan for. I think if he is, whatever team he is on, I have packages for him, but I have packages for him to put him in that quarterback position because he could do multiple that things. Too. Oh, yeah, that too. And, like, I'm not saying that he just has to line up in the slot or at wide receiver. Uh, I'd, ha- I'd have him take shotgun snaps or even under center on plays too. Yeah. And, and, and you know what, Bruce, like, I think he's afraid that if he does that, or if he says I'm going to catch balls at the combine or at pro day, it's going to it's going to hurt my value, and people are going to think of me as a wide receiver first. I think it's the opposite. Yeah. I, I think we live in a world now where the more you show you can do, the better off you are professionally. And so, you know, if you're Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, and you're already a top five pick, like, you know, you don't you don't need to show anything more really like you, you can't you can't improve or enhance your stock much but i think jackson can and and the idea that he's going to be this hybrid football player where you can pretty much line him up at a bunch of different positions including quarterback i think that only enhances his value in the long run yeah no i hear you and i mean and honestly i mean we we could get in all the qbs because i'm i'm not sold on rosen i'd much rather have a lamar jackson as my quarterback and strictly quarterback, then really, what's that? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, wow, I'm surprised to hear you say that. Well, I really am. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think Rosen mechanically has it all. I mean, the guy is smooth, throws a good football. But what I'll, does he remind you of? I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard different. Th- there's been some people I know. Chris Sims said he reminds him. He throws better than Eli Manning, but. To me, Rosen, it's his durability. How long is he going to last? He, he's already had injury problems in college. He, he doesn't have great movement outside the pocket. He's not going to extend plays. And now at the next yep. level, if he starts getting hit, now if he goes to like a Saints or, or a Patriots, he's smart enough to grasp those offenses and, and be successful in those schemes because he has the talent, he has the ability, but I don't know if he's a guy that, is going to come in and football's life and football's everything. Why, why do you say that? Just just based on things you've heard about his personality? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think just yeah. the way he was in college a little bit. Um, you know, I know he was injured in that in the bowl game per se, but um, yeah, I just you know, like Sam Darnold. I mean, he played linebacker in high school. I I, I got to talk to Sam at the Super Bowl, and you know, he seems that kind of. Uh, Jim rat type guy and that's why I don't want to judge too much just on Rosen and his personality because I don't I don't know right. him you know and I didn't get a chance to like yeah. meet him or interview him <clears throat> but even at the combine Rosen's footwork for everything I watched on film and heard of him like I wasn't impressed I'm you know he's taking a three-step drop and he's only getting like two yards deep I mean that center pouncey is going to be right in your lap if you're only getting two, three yards on a three-step drop, so see, you know what? See, I'm happy that you you brought that up because the from and look, you, you play you played the position, but from everything I've heard, he's the most polished of the guys that are going to go in the first round, right? And, and so, and so, if you're telling me in a basic drill, you don't like his footwork or he's not taking his drop uh, properly, that that that, that, that's surprising to hear that. Right. Because that's it, the thing he's got to do right 100 times out of 100 for me. Yes, and that's what I was surprised when I watched the combine drills or him throwing was for how much I heard about his footwork and I, even seen on film because he looks smooth on film that at the combine, and, and you know, and I, I hoped everyone didn't judge me just on the combine because your nerves are going. It's the first time throwing to different people. You know, you're in front of all the GM's coaches. So the quarterbacks in general looked a little attentive. You know, they're trying to be perfect, and it's almost like they were counting their steps. And so that's where I got from Rosen is that he wasn't just coming out from under center, exploding back and getting some depth and even on his five-step drops. That it did surprise me too because of all the stuff we hear on how polished he did really you, is. Did you did you think did you think Allen was as good? I mean Allen they said he was. Oh man, he just looking at the kid, yes. I love the way he threw the ball, his drops. I mean, he just looks like a big, strong kid. He's athletic, he can make move he's a good movement in the pocket and outside the pocket. And um my my concern with Josh Allen though is the competition he played against, you know, when I watched his Iowa and Oregon game, he missed some easy throws, you know, and I think one of his downfalls is shorter passes. He's not really good at because he's still trying to learn how to um, have different type speeds on his, on his fastball. You know, you can't, you know, gun a check down to Le'Veon Bell right over the ball. Now Le'Veon might actually catch it, but some of these other running backs, (laughs) some of these other running backs won't, but Josh Allen, like, Physically, the way he looks, I mean, he's just – he looks the part, man. I mean, you know did, that did – he, Did he remind you of Jamarcus? No, he looks smoother than Jamarcus. I mean, his feet are better. Okay. Um, I mean, they're saying that he throws it as hard or better than Jamarcus. But I, I think he looks smoother, at least in, at the combine work he did. Um, okay. And, he, you know, he has to polish some stuff up like that, his, his short passing game. But he's the one that, like – you know, he has that special t- talent that you can't coach, like the size and arm strength. Um, but so I don't know, you know, and I was a big fan of Mayfield, too, before, you know, before the comma. But I, I still am. But that's the same thing with Mayfield only being six foot, you know, because I was almost going like, ah, do I like Josh Allen more or Mayfield? 
But then Mayfield, I was really impressed the way he threw the ball. He threw the ball good. He has a good, strong, efficient arm. He's accurate, especially on film he was. But his drops at the combine, I'm like, for a six-foot guy, you better get back and deep, you know, like Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees is a technician in the pocket, and he knows how to work it, get depth, and throw on time and in rhythm. And, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, another guy they compare him to, Russell Wilson's explosive. He gets out from under center. And like I said, I don't want to put everything on the combine because there's more film I want to watch. But, um, you know, I I was impressed with Mayfield, but I'd like to see him more explosive, especially being at six foot. And he he was explosive at times uh, during the season. You know, he didn't clock the fastest running a 488, but he's able to get outside and make plays. Uh, I'm I'm not a fan of his at all. No. And if if, if you want to just like get rid of the, you know, if if you want to just leave out a debate over the way he acted or his character and just like abstain from that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I just never buy. I just never buy the Oklahoma quarterback. I don't. Yeah. I'm sorry. And it's not like, you know, everything. Like. You know, you talk about Josh Allen, and I know it's probably relatable to you because you went to a smaller conference school and you had to go play. Right. You know, you played up in competition in September and the out-of-conference and stuff, and I'm sure if I went back and looked at your numbers in those games, they were probably way better than what Allen did against Iowa. They have to be because he was terrible against Iowa. Well, we we did beat number nine Pitt my sophomore year. You did beat number nine Pitt. I threw for 461 yards, but who's counting? I'll make this this analogy, man. Like, you know, Josh Allen drove – Josh and I I hate to disparage any car manufacturer here, but, like, (laughs) Josh Allen was driving a Nissan Altima, and Mayfield had, like, a Porsche. (laughs) Everything you'd want for – I'm serious, but, like – Right. Everything he has to put up numbers, Bruce. He had yeah. everything you'd want in a college offense. It was his fourth year in the system. He had objectively the best offensive line in college football. He got pressured less than any quarterback in the entire country. That that's not that's not just guesswork. They they keep track of these things now. No, you're, he got you're right. For pre- college football and major college football. So I would expect the talent they had in that offense with the receivers, the running backs were all good, that if, if he wasn't – if he didn't look great, something would have been – something was wrong. So, you know, I want to see what he looks like as a smaller quarterback because you're right. Like, he's not going to be able to, to get out of the pocket the way that Wilson does. Right. And, man, I just think that – Breeze, who's the other guy that's smaller that he gets compared to, like I've never seen a guy in the pocket that size like tilt his head back so far, go <laughs> dime to guys forty yards downfield. Like it's not a fair comparison. Yeah. To say, well, Baker, you know, like I don't want to compare anybody to Drew Brees. No, you're you're so, right. You're right because Drew Brees is just, I mean, that dude is a Hall of Famer and he's done it consistently for so many years. Uh, but that's why all these quarterbacks coming out, though, they have flaws. Like, I mean, look at look at the 4 draft with Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger. And you know who else was a first-rounder that year? J.P. Lossman. 
Yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah, the Bills took him like 21st or 22nd. I yeah, think. so yeah, I remember that. And then it's like, okay, what if what if Eli goes to San Diego and Rivers goes to New York? Does does Rivers have a couple Super Bowls? You know, I love doing stuff like that, like those what ifs. Yeah. And cuz I think I, I think that's what's so important is it's the situation these guys go into because I know playing playing the game it's about the coach and the system. You know, I was set up as a rookie with John Gruden. I had a really good opportunity. And then, you know, as a rookie, things got too big for me. But then I had another chance in Oakland with the right type of system, the right coaches around me. And that time it was injuries. So I felt what it feels like to be at the right spot. So And I felt what it feels like to be with the Rams, with Trent Green and Mark Bulger in a number system that I wasn't comfortable with. And it wasn't helping my game. So I think a lot of these quarterbacks we're talking about, it's it's where they end up going, too, with with what kind of coaches. Yeah, I think that Darnold's one of those guys. I could, I could see if he's – you know, just because I thought last year there were things about him that would make me – I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Bruce, is after the way he played last year, I'm not as convinced that he's a can't-miss quarterback prospect. Like, I, I do think he's got some things in his game that he needs to clean up from a decision-making standpoint, most importantly. And yeah. so I think if he gets on the right team, that he will have, you know, I think he has of all the quarterbacks in, you know, that we're talking about here, these four, these five or six guys that might go in the first round, I think he's got the biggest upside of all of them. Darnold? But if I was going to make a – yeah, Darnold. I yeah, think he's got yeah. – I think Darnold's got the highest upside. Well, and but I, th- I also don't think yeah. it's a slam dunk that he – because I could see him going to the wrong team and, and, and being overwhelmed by things and flaming out. Like, it would not shock me. That's Man. why I said early when we were talking about Rosen, Rosen reminds me a little bit of Matt Ryan. I don't think that he's going to be – I don't think that – you know, Ryan won an MVP, but – I don't. I don't. I think he has the best chance of being a solid quarterback, but I don't think he has the upside or the ceiling of some of the other guys. I think yeah. he has the best chance to be a consistently good quarterback, though. Well, well and he—he's the one too that if you had to pick today, who do you want to start? Who can or... step in and play? Yeah, I agree. But, I agree with that. I think he's the closest to, to playing from day one, don't you? I mean, I do because he's smart enough. And that's the thing, too. I mean, and, you know, we don't want – but it's the durability factor, too. I mean, if he takes one shot on that shoulder or another concussion, yeah, you know, so – That's true. I mean, and you might be surprised here. And, and I'm going to continue evaluating these guys because I did before the combine. I got to see him in action. And now I'm going to really dive into more film in their pro day before this draft, acting like I have to pick someone. If I have to pick someone, who do I want? And, you know, Rosen just isn't my makeup. I Just from the kind of guy I want, you know what I mean? And just from what I'm hearing, yeah. from what I, you know, see. So Rosen right now for me is five. I would go Baker Mayfield is four. I have Lamar Jackson is three. Josh Allen, two. And Sam Darnold, one. Because I think Sam Darnold's your safest bet right now. And I like that the guy brings some um, – he can make plays when things break down, you know? So I think that's what needs it is the NFL nowadays. I think his footwork needs some work. He has a different, you know, arm action, but I don't think that's a big deal. He's, he has a strong enough arm and he's accurate on the run. 
So I think, you know, and that might change because, like I said, I mean, I kind of was liking Mayfield more before the combine. Now I'm switching it around. I, you know, go back with Lamar Jackson and where I want him. And, um, but, yeah, so I don't know if you're surprised where are, here. Where are, you on, where are you on Rudolph? <laughs> so I think Mason Rudolph, I, I mean, I think he's going to be a solid guy because he has the size. Um, I think he'll be somewhere in that second round. And I think he'll he'll be a solid player, but he's also real methodical. Like he's a big player, and I also I would I'm surprised that he doesn't throw the ball with more oomph and more power for how big he is. You know who he reminds me of? Who's that? Blaine Gabbert. Wow, I think Blaine, but Blaine Gabbert was more athletic. Uh, you mean like just? being able to make plays with his legs yeah or you mean even like arm strength arm talent <laughs> arm talent too but i think make it make it plays with his legs oh. they just look you know they just look maybe because they're both big tall big 12 quarterbacks that were just in those you know very easy reads snap balls out you know guys running free no like tight quarter tight window throws see he no, like you know, go through progression offense. Like, to me, everything in it with them last year just came so easily. The last – I mean, everybody here in Pittsburgh loves him because he, like, absolutely torched Pitt the last few <laughs> yeah. years that they played him. Yeah. But I, I, but I, I think even though he has, you know, physical assets or traits that you like in quarterbacks, I, he just, to me, looks like too much of a system quarterback. And well, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't look at him as a guy that's going to develop as a true franchise quarterback for somebody. Yeah, I don't. I mean, he, you know, he kind of reminds me of like a Carson Palmer with without all the arm strength. Really? Yeah. He he has. Well, I mean, but that, I mean, if, but that, that's a guy that's gonna, that's a starter for fifteen years. If you think he's Carson, if you think he's Carson Palmer, he should be the first pick in the draft. <laughs> well, I said without the arm now, without the arm strength. You know, he, he's that kind of, like, drop-back type quarterback. Well, then, so who is he, Jordan Palmer, then? <laughs> <laughs> if, he's, if, he's, if he's Carson without the arms, then what is he, brother? Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. You know you know who's a sleeper for me, though? And I'm not just saying it. Because I know you're going to say the kid from Toledo. You're going to say the guy from Toledo, aren't you? Of course. And, and I'll tell you, <laughs> watch his combine. He threw the ball just as well as any everyone, if not better, and his footwork looked good. He was getting good drops out of center. He looked comfortable. A lot of these guys just didn't look comfortable. I think it's just they got to continue to rep it, and that's why I don't want to truly make my final impressions right now in early March. But um, I think Logan Woodside, though, is a guy, if he goes to the right system like we're talking about, like if he's maybe in New England or behind Drew Brees and the Saints, you know, it's is just he like – yeah, he's a smart kid. He'll, he'll work hard. He's a gym rat. He loves it. But so so real quick, now what's the deal with Le'Veon Bell? So that you're, are you surprised they franchise tagged him and they didn't work out a, a long-term deal with him or what before we let you go? No, I'm not surprised because, you know, it's just we've got a guy here in Bell that thinks he's worth way more than – the market says he's worth. Uh, and I, and I say that because there's not, there's, there's not a, there's not another back in the league that's demanding 14, 15, $16 million 
right. a year. And I like I don't care that you're better. Like even if I just said, all right, you're. I agree, you're the best running back in the league. That that doesn't mean I'm going to pay you sixteen, seventeen million dollars a year when the next guy is making nine. I mean that would be like Bruce. That would have, that would have been like when when Brown when when Antonio was going through his negotiations. The second highest the, the the highest paid wide receiver at the time was AJ Green. He was making fifteen million. That yeah. would have been like if, if if Antonio said, "Give me twenty five. Right. Like no, right. like we'll make you the highest paid wide receiver because you are the best, but we're not going to give you this much more. And the whole idea that he's saying, "Pay me like a number two wide receiver." Again, I'll give you another analogy. That would be like if Cam Newton said, "Not only do I want to be paid like you know the number one quarterback, but I also want running back money too because of my legs." Like yeah. it doesn't work that way. Right. Right. So now, I just don't. Th- I don't think he's been very reasonable. With his demands, and when you're not, when you're unreasonable, and you're stubborn about what you want, it's hard to find a compromise or middle ground. Yeah. Now, what was the deal they offered him last year? Um, it was three years, forty-two million. Like that was the first three years of the deal. So he's going to make forty-two million in his first three years. Yeah. Uh, well, his agent told him to take it. His mom told him to take it. Both times he said no. Yeah. See, the thing I worry about with guys is. As players, you have you you sometimes only have one chance to hit it big and take advantage of all the hard work you put in. And for Le'Veon, I want to see him work I out. I want to see him work out a long term deal because for his own factor. I mean, he's a running back in the league nowadays. The Steelers are going to franchise tag him. They're going to run him into the ground again another year with three hundred some touches, and then they're going to let him go to another team. I mean, take your money now. You know, get paid for the long term because you never know those freakish injuries that come about. And now protect yourself and your family for the long term. Um, because, like you said, I mean, work a, a good deal. Like, they're going to pay him as a top running back, the best running back in the league. So, you know, so I, I, I agree on that point. You know, take that and, and don't be trying to – like, he's trying to make history right now, which, which I understand what he's trying to do. Um, because it's guys like that that have to set that next bar for the younger guys coming through. But in the same sense, I'm like, Le'Veon, I know you've made some good money already and a lot of money, but you know, sometimes take, take a, a good deal. I don't really know why he, he thinks that he's doing something like altruistic, like because of his demands. He's paving the way for Gurley or Elliott or Kamara, these guys that are the next wave of great running back. Like, you know, that would be that would be okay, Bruce. Like, I would maybe have an easier time respecting that point from him. If he hasn't done stuff in the last few years to make me question his devotion to football, like, I'm sorry, man, I don't think I'm comfortable in paying you so much more than any any guy at your position when you're getting suspended or you're not showing up to practice the day before the biggest game of the year and you're showing right. up late to the last game of the year or you're going on Twitter the night before the the game against Jacksonville saying, well, I guess we're going to play New England again. Like, you know, you got if you act like a pro, you know, I'm going to be more willing to, you know, and I know talent is everything, but – you know, at some point, man, like, 
I don't know. I just get so sick and tired of the nonsense. Like, just, right. you know, you're a super productive back. Just prove that you care about football and that you're going to be here. And, you know, whether it's the rap thing or it, it, it's the pot discipline, you know, so, you know, you brought up Rosen. Sometimes I wonder how much Bell really cares about football. So, you know, it's it, it's a dirt, it's a it's a position where we've seen Philadelphia win by committee. We've seen New England win by committee. He thinks he is a guy that the Steelers can't do without. I don't know about that because I've seen I've seen Clement and Blunt and Sproles in Philly and Burkhead and Lewis. Um, Gillisley in New England, White, New England. So I don't know, man. Giving that amount of money to one guy just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you make great points. I mean, I, I'm I'm all for you went by committee with the Eagles to pay for what they've done. I mean, because it is a team effort. And uh, at some point, the Steelers have to, you know, knowing the, the Pittsburgh fans, they want to be back at that Super Bowl. They want to be in that Super Bowl game. So, and I know. Yeah, and Bruce, they don't want something like this dragging out again where he's saying now what? He's going to wait until week 10. Right. And that's when, up. I mean, I that's mean, when, if you're the Roonies, I mean, how, how much, like, when is the point that you say, okay, you know what? It's not worth the fight. Does that happen with, with such a special talent in Le'Veon? Well, you know, this is what I would do, Bruce. I would. I would go about my offseason almost like he's not going to be on the team, to yeah. be honest with you. So, like, if, I, if I'm if i sitting there in the second or third round and there's a running back I really like, I'm taking him. Yeah. Um, if there's a bargain in free agency at running back, I'm, I'm doing it. You know, I like Deion Lewis a lot. You know, if he's a guy that you could get for 3 or $4 million a year, he averaged five yards a carry, which was a full yard better. And Bell, you know he can block. He can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Um, you know, I put together something like Lewis, draft pick, James Conner. Well, now now I think it makes Bell expendable. So, right. You know, I, I would I would really think long and hard. If he's not going to come down in terms of what he wants, if he's not going to meet the Steelers halfway, then yeah. I would really think about rescinding the franchise tag. And, and so you're asking what's like the breaking point or what's the point where you say, you know what, we'll let you go. Yeah. I think you see what's out there. And if you, if you sign it, if, if you can get a bargain on a free agent, you rescind the tag. If you find a running back in the second round or third round, I think you rescind the tag. Um, yeah, you know, man. I that's even man. If, if he, if he goes, if, if you're, you know, if he sits out all a camp and you're getting ready for the first week of the season and he still hasn't reported, I think about I, – I don't, I don't want this dragging out the entire year. I, I don't think that that's good for a team to have, is he going to be here, is he not going to be here, when is he going to show up, is he going to show up. Well, I think and here's, at some point you got to leave him at the bus stop. It, well, and you're, and you're right, but that's what coaches are going to have to do. I mean, Tomlin has to prepare for a season. But, yeah, I, th I think what players have to understand, too, though, is they're a product. We're Like, we're a product to owners. Like, we're expendable. You know, they're going to have a running back, and then they're going to replace you with another running back. Ten years from now, they're going to have another guy, maybe not as talented as Le'Veon Bell. But So when it comes an opportunity to get a good deal, you know, and work with a good franchise, I think it's worth it, you know, because I think the Steelers are one of the best organizations out there. 
and not all the time is, is people looking to work with one another. And also, like I said, they continue to look at players as, as, you know, we're just products and they'll get the next guy and continue to move on. Well, I think we know that there are very few players that you look at as, you know, without this guy, you know, where are we? So if you're New England, you feel that way about Brady. Maybe you didn't feel that way as much about him when Garoppolo showed up or, you know, Aaron Rodgers would be that guy. The Packers learned the hard way what their team looked like without him this year. And I think, you know, Pittsburgh's going to have to deal with that with Ben down the road here. But yeah. I just see too many teams without number one stud running backs who win. And we see what the Steelers' offensive stats look like with Bell versus what they look like without him. And there's yeah. not a big difference. Right. So, yeah, he takes on a lot of the workload, and he's on the field a ton. And he can do a lot of different things, but he's only one guy. And there's and there's nothing that says, look at Philadelphia. I'll go back to that. They led the league in rushing yards. The Steelers didn't. Bell didn't. Philadelphia did. And they did it with three guys, and they did it at half the cost. So when you've got a defense to fix, and you've got a guy that, you know, is one failed drug test away from missing an entire season, um... You know, all of a sudden, when you factor those things in, the guy has less leverage and doesn't have as much of a leg to stand on in negotiations. Yeah, and I, I just I'd love to see things work out because I like seeing two six in that black and gold, and he does amazing things. But appreciate all your time today, my man from the Berg ninety three seven to fan Andrew Filipponi. It's always a pleasure. Bruce, you got to come on my show now. You got it, brother. Whatever you need. All right, man. You bet, brother. All right. Have a good one. That's it. What a show for you today. That was exciting stuff. I love getting my man Andrew Filipponi on the line, and I love pushback. I mean, we all have our different opinions and sights on quarterbacks and, and how the NFL operates and different players, and I always encourage some some pushback and feedback. Anytime, get, you know, shoot me some questions on Twitter, bgradkowski5. Like I said, my top five QBs right now, and it's early March, number five is Rosen, number four is Mayfield, number three is Lamar Jackson, number two is Josh Allen, and number one is Sam Darnold. And this could change leading up to the draft. A lot more film I want to study, get a closer look at these guys, and continue to develop my thoughts on who I would draft and want on my team. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. It's always a pleasure, and until next time. You have a good one.